0: Good morning everyone, I'm Mel. And I'm Pippa, we're the creators and editors of Earthrights, the podcast and platform that focuses on the connection between human rights and environmental issues. Just a quick message before we begin,
1: the views and research presented on this podcast are either our own or referenced on our website www.earthrights.co.uk. We generally always record a few weeks ahead of release, so some facts or situations may have changed during this time.
0: Hi everyone, today we're going to be talking to Roxanne. Roxanne is currently working at the European Parliament, assisting Marie Toussaint, leader of the Green Party, working on legal and environmental matters. Roxanne has completed various Masters in Public Policies and European Law, and also in Environmental Law. She's previously been working at, the, at a municipality in Paris in charge of ecological and energy transition. In this internship she's worked with elected officials and with members of the administration in order to promote sustainable transitions.
1: Uh, Roxanne is also a member of Notre Faire à Tous, um, which is a, an organization responsible for creating awareness and doing educational visits to schools to explain what climate change entails. Um, and build awareness of its effects, um, including showing how human rights can be impacted by climate change. Um, So Notre notre Affaire à Tous um, actually translates as in our common interest. And it was was created in 2015 um, and generally specializes in the protection of the environment through legal means. So the majority of the association is made up of um, lawyers and many of them are young women involved in the necessary struggle for climate and social justice. And this includes Roxanne. So during this episode, we are going to be looking at her role in the organisation and the cases that they have taken on in France in its approach To the climate crisis. But first of all, let's just start with the Paris Agreement, um, which obviously took place in France and was signed in 2015. Um, So the Paris Agreement is a landmark environmental international agreement adopted by nearly every nation in the world to address climate change and its negative impacts. But since 2015, with such a monumental conference and really huge, hu- uh, huge pledges made by all of the members and with France leading its way on climate action, we've actually seen quite a sort of fall in the action and fall in momentum. Um, so, Roxanne, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Hi, uh, everyone, first of all. And uh, thank you for your invitation. And thank you for the description, PIPA. Uh, so um, uh, in fact, as you said, Paris Agreement has been a huge thing in order to take uh, ambition to reduce greenhouse gas emission in the world. It was a big agreement because uh, almost all countries of the world signed it. But now, five years after this agreement, uh, things have not changed, and it's a big thing also for France because France hosted this conference and since then, uh, since this conference, um, the French state did not really take uh, public policies that was very ambitious regarding climate change.
0: So if we now talk a bit more about climate justice, so to begin with, can you kind of define a term and what do you think it means in France?
2: Uh, so climate justice is a term that is used to frame uh, a global warming uh, as an ethical and political issue, whether that one that is purely environmental or physical in nature. And it is also a concept that is, has been developed uh, to talk about all the climate action that has been launched in all the countries over the world. Uh, in France especially, uh, we, we also um, uh, had a lot of uh, climate, well, not a lot of, but some climate action. And um, I'm talking about that because uh, Notre Affaire à Tous was created um, to do the first uh, climate action in France, so as you said, he was created in 2015, and um, at his beginning, beginning, the association uh, worked uh, on this case uh, called l'affaire du siècle. But it's only in March 2019 that uh, this uh, case uh, has been launched. Uh, in court and um, this legal action has been launched uh, and the aim of this action is to establish the state wonkful conducting climate matters um, and we did this action with three others association, other associations other um, associations Greenpeace France also Oxfam France and uh, Fondation La Nature et l'Homme. We also had a Two and a half million people that signed uh, an online petition, mm. so we, we made a lot of noises. <laughs> if I can yeah. say it like that.
1: So that was and, and that was just that was just taking place in France. So you were um, taking the um, French state to court, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and within the. Um, with what, what was asserted in the petition, like what were you asking for? Uh,
2: well in, in the petition it was just something very general, um, so we asked for climate justice, but in the legal action we, we asked for a lot of things, but especially uh, we wanted, enfin, we want uh, the court to recognise the contribution of France uh, to global warming and also um, we ask uh, France and uh, the French state to respect uh, domestic law but also European and international law. So as you, we talked already about the Paris Agreement but there are also a lot of regulation at the European level or at the um, domestic level. Um, and we ask also uh, the courts to impose the French state to adapt its territory uh, to the effects of global warming. Um, in fact, we we also we we often think that uh, climate change will occur in other parts of the world, but uh, it is already happening in France. Uh, mm. With, we, we have a lot of uh, very hot and dry summer and our government does not take enough uh, measures in order to adapt um, the French uh, territory to these effects.
1: In what ways? So, I mean, um, what ways have you noticed? Obviously, you said about the hotter and drier summers, but is there any other... Um, are there any other sort of physical areas that you've noticed in living in France that have been affected by um, climate change?
2: Yeah, sure. We, we had, uh, for example, uh, in Montaigne, so in the Pyrenees or in Alps, we had a lot of um, very strong rain. I don't know how to call it, but uh, it was raining for... Uh, a week, for example, and created inundation in uh, cities. Uh, and this occurs uh, more and more often. Uh, we also have um, for example, in littoral, uh, so in the Mediterranean uh, coast sea, Uh, sorry for the French world, (laughs) Coast Sea or the um, Atlantic Coast Sea, we can see that the ocean or the sea is uh, getting more and more close to uh, houses. And so people need to find another house uh, because they cannot live uh, here anymore. Um, We we have also a lot of uh, impact in our uh, production. Mm -hmm. Uh, production of wine or uh, production of honey for example so it's a big um, issue for French economy also.
0: Impacting the production of wine in France I mean if that doesn't make the government concerned then I don't know what will. (laughs) so, how did this, um, like this, fare in the court, Like, did kind of, did you achieve anything
2: with it, and what, what was the result? Well, uh, for the moment, we we just um, uh, deposit, uh, deposit the uh, the case uh, in court. So, in France, we have uh, three level of courts, uh, and we are now at the first level. Um, and it will uh, it will go probably at the last level like to the supreme court but so in a few years Uh, but recently um, in november um, and for the first time the highest administrative courts because in france we have civil court and administrative courts so the highest administrative courts uh, gave three months to the French state to prove that it gives itself means to achieve climate objectives and um, it was an answer to a, a first uh, climate action uh, that was led by a French city and it has been um, uh, launched at the same time as uh, l'affaire du Siècle Mm-hmm. So this answer of the highest administrative court is uh, a huge um, thing. It's a, it's a big uh, uh, answer for climate justice because uh, it can have uh, jurisprudence on our case and it can help uh, Notre Affaire à Tous and the three other associations to uh, win uh, against the French state.
1: Um yeah, I was just going to ask what what are you asking the French state to do so like what are the um the ideas that you've put forward that you want um the government to adopt in order to fight climate change and
2: its impacts but it's more what we ask to the judge uh yeah. because yeah we we ask to French state to just respect the law and to adapt his territory but um we we use uh, different arguments, uh, uh, different norms. We use the French uh, uh, domestic, uh, domestic law, but also uh, international law. For example, uh, classic argument, arguments based on health and environmental issues, like the Article Two or the Article Eight of the ECHR. So the European Convention on Human Rights that is very important regarding uh, environmental cases. Um, So these are these are classic arguments we can use to uh, defend climate change, but we also want to create new ideas uh, in uh, in the system of law. And for example, we ask uh, the creation of a pre-existing general climate obligation that is um, in line with uh, scientific recommendations. We also want to create a general principle of law on the right to live in a sustainable climate system. And uh, this will, uh, should include also future generations. And we also went to to create a, a sort of uh, no uh, uh, eco, an ecological loss. Uh, also, at the end, we only uh, claim one euro for damage. so it's not we do we do not we do not do that for money. Uh, of course, uh, it's just a symbolic euro uh, for the image.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's nice to see that it's. Um that it's not going to be made based on money.
0: So what does this um, case mean for the rest of the world? Like,
2: what's kind of the bigger picture? Yeah, I think this case is um, just a, a small part of a huge movement. Uh, in fact, um, we we know now that climate justice uh, is in every country in the world. Uh, Sabine Centre for Climate Change, that is a centre that's... Uh, Try to um, uh, gather all the climate uh, cases in the world, evaluated that um, around 1,200 cases on climate change uh, exist, uh, was already judged or still being judged in the world in 2020. So it's a huge uh, thing. That's a huge number. Yeah, and half of them actually are based in the U.S. uh, But there are also cases in Africa, in uh, also South America.
0: uh, Mm
2: -hmm. And um, it is very interesting to uh, study them because they are very heterogeneous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them are directed uh, against states uh, and others against companies. Uh, some are claiming the volash- violation of fundamental rights uh, to present uh, or future generations. Um, and we, we can say that uh, not a long time ago, uh, we had a very good new- news for climate justice because um, a similar case to Affaire du siècle uh, occurs in the New Zealand, uh, it was called Urgenda, and uh, the association uh, won this case, and the judge, uh, it was the Supreme Court, gave only um, a few months uh, for the states to take uh, real measures in order to reduce emission to 25 percent below uh, 1990 levels. So this case uh, was for us, and especially uh, for notre uh, feratous victory, because uh, it means that a small association can uh, won against the state, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very important because um, justice is a power that can balance with exec- executive power. And it needs to be here uh, when uh, the government is not taken taking enough uh, things to for climate so justice, for example.
1: On the back of Urgenda and other, and obviously the work that you were doing, um, have you seen any other um, like clever climate litigation um, or cases around Europe um, in other gi- domestic jurisdictions?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, actually uh, there are some in England also, also I I know in Ireland, Uh, and more uh, recently in Portugal um, uh, six uh, youngs uh, filed a complaint with the European Court of Human Rights uh, and against this time 33 countries. Uh, and among them, uh, of course, France and also the UK. Um, and uh, at the end of November, the courts accepted their complaint and fast-tracked uh, the case and communicated to the defendant countries. Um, and the court asked them to respond by the end of February, 2021. Um and it's something not very common that the court uh, fast tracked the case. Uh so it's also a big victory uh for uh, for climate justice at the European level.
1: Yeah, it also reflects the emergency of um climate change yes, so, how we mm-hmm. need to deal with it quickly and just going back to what you were saying about the um, cases in England it's interesting because um, the ones I've looked at are using the what you were calling classic arguments Um, They're looking at article 2 which is the right to life and article 8 which is the right to private life um, of the European Convention on Human Rights and um, I was just noticing here that you were saying about how um, these, this like, kind of reflects that the, how the um, jurisprudence and the system of, the European system of protecting the environment has been largely based on human factors and on human rights rather than developing a new set of law for its own existence and its own right. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. And also I just wanted to uh, you, you said um, the, the emergency of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true that often when we talk about climate justice, people are saying that uh, justice is something that is very slow. Uh, in fact, it takes time to have a ruling and uh, to write um, uh, an, an action. But uh, I think it's important to, to use uh, this uh, tool uh, in order to... Uh, say that uh, we have law and we have a lot of uh, norms at different levels and uh, they need to be implemented and uh, they need to be respected uh, rather by companies or by states and or by all citizens so yeah and and it's often um, something that is uh, saying regarding climate justice is that it's going too slow uh, and climate uh, change is so uh, quick and very uh, it's an emergency as you said so in Uh, that way
0: like what are some of the other ways that kind of the law can be used to promote um, environmental protection and action on the climate crisis what are some of the other options we have
2: Yeah, actually, I didn't talk about another um, climate action we have in France, because I said uh, climate action can be um, uh, against states, but also against companies. And in fact, in France, Notre Affaratus also launched legal action uh, against um, the French global oil company Total. And uh, this case is based on the recent law uh, on the duty of uh, vigilance. Mm-hmm. And this law is very important because it imposes for big companies to publish every year a report on human and environmental consequences on their activities in France, but also in other parts of the world. Uh, so we, we are still uh, waiting for the... For the the answer of the judge, I don't know how, how to say mm-hmm. the, the ruling <laughs> but uh, I think it will be very important to, to, to look at it in the future. Actually I, I only talked about climate justice which means uh, climate action but we also think we need, we should um, change things in the system of law Mm-hmm. Um, and that we we should create a new uh, legal system that is based on planetary boundaries. But it's a um, scientific concept developed in two thousand and nine. Um, I think it's an international concept um, and uh, it has created nine limits that must not be exceeded in order to preserve the earth's balance. So there is the climate, biodiversity, uh, the quality of uh, uh, the ground, this kind of thing. And in France, we have already um, uh, exceeded Six out of nine limits, including biodiversity and the climate mm-hmm. um, so we we use this concept to think uh, about a new system of law and uh, the first thing we we want uh, to evolve is the constitution mm-hmm. uh, we um, in France, I know in, in England it's different because you, you don't really have written text, but in France, the constitution is like a huge thing. Mm. Uh, it's the biggest norm, and every source of law um, uh, depends on this norm.
1: Yeah well just to say that it's um it's quite common for nations around the world to have constitutions which are like their guiding texts yeah. but in England we just build it upon um the common law yeah. and and we do have some some written laws but there it's it, they're, um they're just developed uh
2: through the courts and yeah through statute really yeah, but actually in France, uh, we are under the 5th uh, constitution, uh, so it means we haven't changed uh, the constitution uh, since uh, 1958. Okay. Uh, and that's why we, we a lot of people, want um, a 6th uh, constitution in order to uh, include all uh, the environmental issues and also uh, climate uh, matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, For us, it's more than a symbolic or a political step forward. It is also a necessary step toward the ecological transition and also the change of mentality that we must adopt in the face of climate emergency. Mm So we want uh, to include uh, planetary boundaries in the constitution, also to uh, to create uh, the principle of non-regression. Uh, it existed; it exists already in the law, but not in the constitution. And to include it in the constitution will uh, enable to to gra- guarantee guarantee that the law is always uh, better and that is not going back you, we we cannot reduce production we can we can just uh, improve it
1: okay i mean could you give us an example on um, on on where this would be applied so so in, in relation to the
2: environment
1: um, or let's say fossil fuels yeah. or something, is it?
2: Yeah, uh, can you explain a little bit? It's a very good question. <laughs> no, because uh, um, at the moment in front there is a, a debate on the reintroduction of uh, 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 pesticide, mm-hmm. a sort of pesticide uh, regarding sugar uh, plantation. The Parliament voted the reintroduction because uh, the, uh, the production of sugar is uh, affected by uh, a disease and a lot of things. And for a lot of uh, environmental uh, lawyers, uh, it is uh, a, a regression from okay. the law we had before. So this kind of uh, situation uh, cannot happen if the principle of non-regression is uh, in the constitution. So um, obviously you've got some
1: good proposals for the constitution but where is um, France at
2: with reforming the constitution? Um, Actually now but it, it, this uh reform uh, on the constitution has been asked uh, um, more than 2 years ago and after that we had uh, a huge uh, social uh movement in france called gilets jaunes um, and he, it has created a lot of uh, democratic things at the local level and also um we really wanted more democratic uh, participation of the citizens uh, regarding uh, climate issues. So, uh, a citizens' convention for the climate was created in France uh, in in the the end of uh, 2019. And it was... uh, made of uh, 150 citizens um, from all uh, France and from different uh, profession or whatever Uh, they was chosen uh, at random. And uh, one of the aim proposal they made after nine months of work Uh, was regarding uh, a reform of the Constitution. And uh, actually, they took our proposition uh, regarding uh, the first article of the Constitution. And so they asked uh, to uh, amend the Constitution. The thing is that uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, has pledged to carry faithfully this measure, uh, but currently we don't really know uh, if he will uh, fulfill his promise. Uh, and actually, a lot of me- measure that has uh, been um, uh, proposed by the citizens are not uh, implemented by the government. They made 149 measures and uh, the president is uh, reconsidering a lot of them now. So it's uh, a bit complicated. So the reform is uh, at the same point. Uh, Nothing is changing now, especially because of the pandemic crisis. Also,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I think that's government is only taking measure regarding the uh, pandemic situation and not regarding climate change. So another approach where kind
0: of the law can be um, used to like, like help react to this climate emergency is something we talked about in series one, um, episode six, when we spoke to Miles about kind of giving rights to nature. So I just kind of wondered, do you know much about this? And like, can you discuss your thoughts on this and any examples in france
2: yes actually is it is also uh, a big subject we we develop in our association um we are part of uh, an international um organization called uh, uh the global alliance for the natures of for the right of nature's, uh, the gum, and um, we we know now that there are a lot of countries that uh, has already given rights to nature. Uh, so you said uh, Ecuador uh, and also a lot of states in. South America, but also in uh, Africa or in the States, in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are um, also few initiatives in Europe, even if it's uh, more recent. Um, And uh, actually, the pandemic has helped that because now we, we really understand that we are depending on the good health of the ecosystem and that we need to do something to to protect the nature. Uh, So that's why um, initiatives uh, also has has evolved in France, uh, for example, to protect the Loire uh, River or also the Seine. Um, Actually, here uh, there is an an initiative uh, uh, by the Paris city. But uh, not surprisingly, the French uh, the first French territory that has uh, created uh, or given right to nature was the rural island in New Caledonia because uh, it's a territory occupied by the Kanak people, and uh, we, we can do the link uh, between um, territory that are occupied by indigenous people and uh, the evolution of nature nature rights, the right of nature. Uh, in fact in South uh, America, in all countries that these communities are very important, uh, we, we saw uh, the development of the, the this concept. So, yeah, in France, it's very, at the, it's at the beginning also in Corsica, uh, some citizens want to, to give a right to this uh, beautiful island, but uh, it's not existing yet. And actually, there is a, a huge debate uh, in law uh, university um, sphere because uh, some lawyers think, lawyer thinks that, think that, um, we already have a lot of regulation uh, to protect nature and that we don't need this concept um, and that we should more work on the efficiently, efficiency of these, the regulation that are already uh, existing uh, rather than creating a new concept uh, and i think that this concept is very important because it's uh, create a new way of thinking and uh, try to put the rights uh, of nature at the same level uh, as human rights, because we, uh, we depend on, uh, human rights depend on nature rights, and so um, very basically to preserve humanity we need to preserve our ecosystem. Um, so.
1: With rights of nature and um, and it being such a an embryonic or like concept in Europe and European um, laws, um, how how do you think it's gonna how do you think it's gonna go? Do you think um, Europe is going to perhaps um, use it? for the better because when we were interviewing Miles um, in series one he was quite concerned by the way that rights of nature had been somewhat used um, by the um, government of Ecuador to continue um, financing the extraction of oil Um, and so rights of nature had been used to appease indigenous communities. And then the government had still gone in anyway and um, continued to extract oil when the whole point of the rights of nature was meant to be to sort of stop that. So I was asking Miles whether he thought that um, other nations perhaps um, which had less corrupt um, governments could do a a maybe more solid job of using rights of nature to actually protect the environment
2: yeah actually it's very interesting to have his point of view on that because i also uh, know that uh a lot of people uh you know i i i, I told you uh, a bit before that uh, lawyers some lawyers are against this concepts, and another argumentation they use is um that uh, nobody can uh, use uh, the rights of nature in court like nobody can say I'm the river I'm the forest I'm the ocean I'm going to defend it uh, and it's um, it's very important to to think about it and to uh, to see uh, whether it should be the government or maybe some environmental associations or, uh, I don't know, an independent uh, uh, organization that is created uh, to promote the right of nature and to to see um, if it's uh, very um, respected. It's a new concept and needs to be, um, I think, um, uh, organized Um, before it uh, is created and we need to think um, who should uh, defend uh, nature and how we can defend it uh, in order to uh, take all uh, the ecosystem into account. Yeah,
1: for sure. And also um, have to think about the way that we can include communities that don't use legal language and don't use um, court language um to fight for their rights as it were and fight for the nature around them um but yeah obviously we can we can hope and try and and as you mentioned earlier about the fast tracking in the european court of human rights that we can actually use um Mm. law as a tool for change and i think that's one big takeaway from this episode people need to be aware that justice and law is a real sort of powerhouse and um, tool for change, especially with the environment, because we can call to account huge companies and governments and um, make force them into um, addressing the climate crisis.
0: And just finally, to kind of bring this episode to kind of a bit of a close let's just talk a bit about the crime of ecocide and the destruction of nature um
2: yeah it's the the uh, another thing we we promote um uh, when i say we uh, i talk about the, the association the crime of ecocide is quite old uh, and has started at the national international level. Um, especially we can talk about the lawyer uh, Polly Higgins uh, that uh, has uh, fights fights uh, for very uh, very long time uh, for the recognition of this crime uh, what we demand at the national level international level uh, is that uh, a fifth crime against peace, uh, is uh, created in the set status of, of Rome so we already have uh, the genocide or other crimes against peace but uh, the destruction of our planet is not considered as a crime against peace and uh, that's why we, we ask uh, the notion of ecocide to be to be um, introduced or uh, uh, created in this uh the statute of rome um, so the statute of rome is the ta- statute of the international court of justice um, and also the crime of ecocide can be recognized at the european or the national level and uh, actually at the european level uh, there is a um, very soon uh, a revision of the um, environmental crimes directive. Uh, It is a directive that has been taken in 2008. It doesn't recognize the crime of ecocide, of course, because it's not recognized at at the European level and also at the international level, but it just creates uh, some uh, crimes uh, regarding environment. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this regulation is that it's not enough binding for mem- for state members and uh, it hasn't been well trans- transposed in our uh, domestic um, law. Uh, so now there, there is a revision revision of this directive, uh, and we will, uh, with Marie Toussaint and uh, her team, um, ask for the recognition of ecocide uh, at the European level. So mm-hmm. I will uh, let you know uh, yeah. how uh, it will happen. And also, initiatives uh, have been uh, taken in France. Uh, some propo- law proposal has been have been uh, rege- registered, uh, but they also have been rejected uh, just afterwards by the Parliament. So we, we still uh, need to rate. And just to also to let you know that uh, we have created a European coalition uh, recently. Uh, for the recognition of Ecoside. So it has been created by Marie Toussaint and the coalition is called Ecoside Alliance and it gathers parliamentarians for uh, different uh, countries, from different countries. Mm-hmm.
0: And I saw just yesterday, or maybe two days ago actually, there was kind of like an update with this where um, like a group of international lawyers are drafting the plan yeah. and they're going to be presenting it to coincide with the uh, Nuremberg War crime trials, that's what I read. Yeah, yeah. So it's like very ongoing. I think that's like, if there's one thing we can learn from this episode is the power of the law in helping us to achieve our mutual goals of like protecting the environment and mitigating climate crisis so yeah thank you so much roxanne for coming on and speaking to us it's been fascinating to kind of hear about your work and learn a bit more about your views on these um topics so yeah bye everyone see you soon bye If you are interested or concerned by any of the issues raised during this podcast, then please get in touch at contact at earthrights.co.uk or visit our website www.earthrights.co.uk. You can find full recordings of all of the episodes on most podcast platforms or on the Earthrights website referenced in the show notes. We host a blog on there too, as well as recommendations and other information. Please also join in on the journey by following our Twitter and Instagram accounts at earthrights underscore.
1: If you would like to be involved in an episode of the Earthrights podcast, then please also get in touch. This Earthrights podcast was hosted, produced and edited by us. Music and sounds were specially made for Earthrights by the Mowgli Wild Boys, who are currently recording a new LP at Circus Studios in Nottingham. Please follow their Instagram and Facebook at Mowgli Wild Boys.